have done something very special. This is the Bible that belonged to my father the day he had the stroke and he died four days afterwards. He preached from this Bible down at Chadburn Church. He preached the sin sermon. He called people to conviction, said it was a powerful sermon. He went home that afternoon and had a stroke at the kitchen table. I was with him when he passed. I've never brought it out. It's been in my office up on the shelf. I haven't even dared to look at it. Scared what I would find in it, and I found a bunch of his sermons in there. But the bad thing is I can't read his writing. It's so bad. His writing was terrible, notoriously bad writing. But I'll decipher it one day, and I'll preach one of them. But today, I'm just going to lay it right here. Because I'm the son of a pastor. I'm the grandson of a pastor. Every... Uh, spiritual female in our church has been a preacher too. <laughs> my grandmother, my mother, in their own way, they have preached the gospel. And today we're going to talk about preaching of all things, the power of preaching. You ever heard that song, I've been everywhere, man? Well, I've preached everywhere from coast to coast, from the mountains to the ocean. I've preached in places you could not even imagine when I was with the foundation, traveled all over the nation preaching. I preached to 5,000 once in South Carolina, 4,000 in Virginia. Uh, the one in South Carolina was a powerful message, and God has opened up the door for me to share the gospel, and he sent me here to, to preach the word, to let God's word be known. I'm not a preacher because he was a preacher. I'm a preacher because God called me to be a preacher, to preach the gospel to let people know what the story is of the gospel, to let folks know what the good news is that God has given to us. And here in Acts, uh, in the 10th chapter, we see that Peter, he began to preach, to speak. And I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts men from every nation who fear him and do what is right. You know the message God sent to the people of Israel, telling the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. You know what happened throughout Judea, beginning in Galilee after the baptism that John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. We are witnesses of everything he did in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They killed him by hanging him on a tree, but God raised him from the dead on the third day and caused him to be seen. He was not seen by all the people, but was witness whom God had already chosen by us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one whom God appointed as judge of the living and of the dead. All the prophecies and the prophets testify about him that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. Let us pray. Dear Lord, open up our hearts on this Easter Sunday that we may hear the gospel proclaimed. Let us know that this is our message, this is our moment, this is our word with you, O divine creator. You had this in mind from the very beginning when you put the first star in the heaven. You wanted us to come home. You've called us to accountability, to turn away from our own lives and turn to you. Lord, let us be your people in all that we do. We are humble and meek before you this morning, knowing the power of the cross and the empty tomb, how you have conquered sin and death so that we can claim this moment of celebration. 
Let us know the power of the gospel. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Years ago, when my father had first invited me to pray and to share the message, I was at a little church called Arapahoe over on the coast of North Carolina. He invited me to preach, and so here I am, a newly married man to Leona with only a few months, uh, just a married life. And uh, so I drive over, we drive over together, and I get up, and I preach, and I preach all of just a little bit of time, just a few minutes, and God grabs hold of me. I knew then I had to proclaim the word, and I left the church that day, and, and so we talked in the car, and I told Leona I just had to just start preaching. And she said she knew, she said she knew she was going to marry a preacher, and it was just something she knew. And I said, well, I didn't know. And she said, but we already knew God had his hand on you. You just weren't letting him have his way. You were doing it your way. What happens when you share the gospel is an intimate and a very special moment. You show yourself. You show yourself in all your different colors, your humanity and your understanding, your ideas. And sometimes those ideas aren't the most advanced, but in the moment, God speaks through the word. You have been blessed at this church with the great preachers that have spoken from this pulpit and other pulpits that went before it. You've had great preachers that have come and shared the gospel. I came today to proclaim the gospel, to proclaim the good news. That's what my father did every Sunday. He proclaimed the good news. He was an evangelist the way he preached him and the Tysons traveled throughout the conference and preached revival after revival. I would often go with my father and attend the revivals he preached and I would watch God's spirit sweep across normal people, regular people who would suddenly come up to the altar and give themselves to Jesus. I watched it as a young boy fascinated by how people could end up in such a mess that they are and now they suddenly need this help and they come forward and they're able to turn it to Christ. See, I watched him proclaim the word with power and conviction and he didn't hold back. He didn't mollycoddle anybody in what he said. He proclaimed the gospel boldly and he called sin what it was and he said the generation is sinful and it's living in that sin and it's dying in that sin but you you don't have to be bound by that sin. You can be free from that sin, he said. And I watched him as a young boy do this. And I said to myself, Dad, after the services, we'd ride together and I'd say, tell me more. And he would explain it. And he would say, you got to understand, sometimes you just got to tell people like it is. You can't be beating around the bush. You got to tell them to live your lives right and to live them for God and to give yourself to Jesus. And don't let it just be a one thing. Let it be an everyday thing he would share with me. And I grew up with that teaching, and it was profound, and it taught me to be bold and to proclaim the gospel. I enjoyed it. When I was at Lake Junaluska, what happened was that I was invited to go speak in South Carolina, and it was the lay conference, and there were all the people there, the conference that were there, and I was the one that was able to preach because of Dr. Evelyn Laycock. She was a great teacher. She just passed away a few weeks ago up at Lake Junaluska. And she invited me to come, and I started to preach. And as soon as I started to preach to that crowd that day, a man in the first row fell out on the floor. He had a massive heart attack, even before I started the sermon. 
And he was laying on the ground, and of course I stopped, and we went down, and we had some doctors, and we had nurses and paramedics, and we had one of those things that has the shock, and we called the ambulance, and people were praying, and they were huddled together in circles, and some were crying, and the man was laying there, and he was in cardiac arrest. He was in a heart attack moment, and I'm standing there just praying to God, and then as soon as they took him away in the ambulance, everybody kind of looked around, and they wondered and I climbed right back up in the pulpit and I said, sit down folks because now it's time you hear a sermon. And I preached my heart out that day. And the same people who were crying moments before came to the altar at the end and they gave themselves to Jesus because they knew something special was going on. When you proclaim the gospel, you fear no man. You fear no one on earth, no matter if it's a king, no matter if it's a powerful person, no matter if it's a person with some extreme measure, you fear no person because the gospel is able to overcome all things. It's able to build a bridge between all people. It's able to heal and bend and bring together those who were at war can now be at peace through Christ. See, Peter is standing up that day and he says, I want you to know that God doesn't play any favorites. He doesn't have a favorite. You're all in need of my grace, God is saying. And everyone who preaches knows that. Billy Graham never divided people into the Baptist and the Methodist and the lost and the found. He preached at them all like they were all wretched sinners in need of the salvation of Jesus. Amen. I got a little carried away there, didn't I? Some of you going, where is he going with this thing today? He done launched off, hit the home run. He's swinging for the fence. What is he doing? Well, I'm proclaiming. That's what I'm doing. That's what we do. We preachers do this. Sisters and brothers, some of my best sermons ever have been in the car when I've been driving down the road. I'll see people do dumb things and I'll start preaching up a storm at them in the car. <laughs> have you ever seen such foolishness out of a person? They cut me off going to Starbucks. I can't believe that person. And then I'll go into a whole sermon tirade. My poor family, they've heard it all. They've heard me proclaim everything. But proclaiming the gospel it's not everything, it's the only thing. That's what it's all about. We are here for souls. We are here to know we belong to him. And Paul is saying here, as well as Peter and all the prophets and all the apostles, that God is wanting us to hear the good news of peace through Jesus the Christ. So how do we, how do we preach the gospel? Well, you learn in seminary how to share the gospel when you have three points and you make a point and you use a few references and you use some literary person and you quote them and you make it where it's a strong and you try to enforce it in some way. And the truth is that's just, I don't understand that. It, it just don't make no sense to me. This ain't no formula. There ain't no technique. It is what it is. See, the Spirit drives the Word. And the Spirit today is driving the Word where it needs to be for the hearts who need to hear it. 
Because we're reaching a day in this country that I don't know if Easter is going to survive, or Thanksgiving is going to survive, or Christmas is going to survive. We have people who are not listening to the gospel. They're listening to other words that are not good news. They're other kinds of news. We need the gospel to be proclaimed in a powerful way. And we do that by the person. By the person. Where it's a personal story. Well, Father couldn't speak the whole time he was passing for four straight days. The stroke had taken away his speech, and he was not conscious. Every now and then he would come out of, I think, the sleep for a moment and then go back in, and we watched over him. And I thought to myself, here's a man who's preached all these sermons for 40-some years he preached, and here he is passing into the eternal, not able to speak the word. So as I was by his bedside, I was talking with him the whole time and saying, what do you think? Do you remember this sermon? Do you remember this place we served, this town we were at, this adventure we took? And I was speaking that to try to connect to him on a personal level. I don't know if he heard me or not. I don't know. The doctors, they said they didn't know. They said you never know with a stroke if the person can hear or not. But that didn't stop me. I kept telling the story over and over again. You remember when we went together and we went over to California or we went over to that place or you were there and you were helping and and I just described it time after time as we're sitting there and I sit in the chair and we talked and I talked the whole time and I said you remember when we went with granddaddy and went fishing down at the ocean and 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 I was sharing the story because stories is what we're all about everybody here's got a story Everybody here has got a story. I asked this morning how many people had been to the sunrise service for 10 years and a bunch of hands went up, right? Then I asked 20 years and some hands went up. 30 years, hands went up. 40 years, a few hands went up. And then they wouldn't let me do no more because they said I was starting to reveal their age. Well, if you've been to 40 years of sunrise service, you've seen a lot of things, I would say. You've seen some preachers that uh, if their sermon blew away, they couldn't preach. You've probably seen that. You've probably seen some who were so caught up in their message that they just lost sight of themselves. You've seen all kinds of things. You've seen storms, and you've seen light, and you've seen shatter, and you've seen darkness, and you've seen funny things, and you've seen sad things. I know we've seen it all. See, the story is always a personal story. The reason the Christian faith, it caught fire was it wasn't about an idea, it wasn't a philosophy, it was a person. And a person came up to you and said, you need to know what happened to me, my story. I was born in the church. As a little boy, I came to the church. I've known church people my whole life. I'd sit there with my mother with my cowboy hat and my six-shooter in church. I grew up hearing my daddy preach and watching people respond and being a part of that and stepping into the role when God called me to that. I understand the stories God gives, and it's always personal because Easter is personal. Christ didn't die for anybody. He died for you and me. It's very personal. He's given his life for us so we can live. Without him, we have nothing. Only with him can we have everything. See, it is personal. 
We've tried to make the faith somehow lack a personal connection, and we tried to make it where it's a formula, or it's an idea, or it's a philosophy, or it's some liturgy, or it's some theology, and we've lost the real meaning of what the Christian faith is all about. It's the reason we are here. God put us here for a reason. Do you honestly think your life is meant to be lived and then you're going to die and be in the cold ground? Do you honestly think all the love you've ever wanted to have is somehow going to escape into a vapor that will become nothing in the midst of eternity? Do you honestly believe that what you worked so hard for is going to be lost and is going to fall down into the very dust that we walk on? I can tell you right now, you weren't born for such. You are a child of God and you are special to God. God wants you home. He wants you home because we got work to do. And our work getting on this earth, our work is eternal. We are the sons and the daughters of the light, John tells us. And as sons and daughters, we have a responsibility to our Father. And our Father wants us home because this miserable, tired earth has had its way too much. I am tired of how bad this world is getting. When churches have to be protected and schools have to be protected and we keep giving the rights to the villains instead of the victims and the victims are quiet and they're not heard from and our culture is losing its sense that even the so-called bad people are now somehow the good people. What is wrong with this country? What is wrong with this nation? Shame on them. I got carried away again. Lord, have mercy. I'm going to have to go up to Chapel Hill and stand in that student, uh, you know, that's, uh, that circle. <laughs> Hannah told me that they got a place up there where you can voice your opinion and rights. I don't know if state has that. Do they have that? Uh, they, they probably do. Well, Lord knows Duke doesn't because the whole campus does that. I mean, uh, I'm not going there with Duke. East Carolina, I, I don't know. I don't know, but I can tell you, Chapel Hill, they got a place, right? And there's a man gets up there, and he hollers, and he screams. And all the young people like to go and listen to him because he's entertaining. He's like telling them they're going straight to the bad place, even if the Pope said it doesn't exist, it does, and they're going there. And he just yells and hollers at them. And I don't know, I think he's just privately rich is what I think, and this is like his hobby. I don't know why he does it. Because we all know that you don't need to be hollering at the children from Chapel Hill. He needs to go to the other school right down the road, eight miles. <laughs> he needs to go over there and tell them, because Lord have mercy, they need some help. They're blue devils. They're devils. We've we got to deal with that. They're not sheep. They're devils. You know. See, when you proclaim the gospel, it is personal. And you share it in a way. I don't think that man's really sharing his story. He's not telling them why he's doing it. I guarantee you he hadn't got up there and said, I want you to listen. There was a point in my life when I didn't know if tomorrow would come. The shadows, they rolled in. Things weren't looking good, but my God came to me and helped me through that time. See, I, I, don't, I don't think he really tells the real story. I think he like talks about all the things, but he doesn't really talk about what it is. And what it is, is the gospel. It's good news. It's personal. So sisters and brothers, this is our story. Isn't that a great hymn? This is our song. 
praising our Savior all the day long. Say, it's our story. And we just share together in it. So it is personal. And then uh, what Peter shares is what happened. He said, what started this? He said, they killed him by hanging him on a tree and the promise is then revealed. But God raised him from the dead on the third day and caused him to be seen. And the world, the world, the world went mad because something happened they couldn't explain. Something happened that didn't happen before because every other time someone got beat down, they laid there and died. But on that day, that man, he rose again. And then people saw it and they said, you know, if he can rise again, I can rise again. If he can win after losing, I can win. If he can have life after dying, I can have life. See, the promise is that God sent Jesus for us to get up and get going. To tell us we're able to do it. We all need a pep talk. We all need to be uh, lifted up. There's times we get down. There's times that we're beaten down. There's times people fail us and we, and we feel hurt by other people and we're hurt by ourselves and we just feel beaten down. How many of you have ever felt just beaten down? I know I have. My Lord, have mercy. There's been times when I wonder if I would ever get through. But I tell you, I stood in there and I stayed with him and I watched him and at 3.33 on that Thursday morning, he passed to God. And I was okay with it. I wasn't angry. I wasn't bitter. I wasn't scared. Because God's already made this promise to me and to Him. And we committed our lives to believe in this and to trust in this and to know this. There's a lot of bad men out there. But all it takes is a good man to turn to the gospel and the promise is met. See, Jesus, he rose again. And that's the great mystery of Easter. That's the thing that can keep us going as the faith. Because they're trying to do away with what we believe in. I tell you, they are. They don't want it. They don't want us to give hope. They don't want us to give love. They don't want us to give peace. They don't want us to give harmonies. The world wants to beat us down. It wants to take everything we got. It wants to use us and abuse us and cast us to the side. The truth is the world's got no good in it except the one who holds to the promise that Jesus is the Christ. He was not seen by all the people but by witnesses whom God had already chosen. Now the question we have to ask is, are we chosen? I know that's a hard question. Does God want us? Does God really want us? Us? I mean, why does God need me? <laughs> if you're asking that question, you're on the right trail. Because God can take the little and make the big. God can take 
the one who is afraid and make the one who is brave. God can take the one who's lost and they become found. God can take the least and make them the most. God can take the little engine that they said couldn't and make it the engine that could. God takes us just as we are and makes us into who He wants us to be. And my daddy and mama worked hard to create me the way I am, but I'm not who I am because of them. I am who I am because of Jesus. And they celebrated the day that I recognized that, that I didn't need them, I needed the Lord. So I told my brother after we did the service and we were going through the stuff in the house, and I said to my brother, I said, this Bible right here, it's mine. He said, are you sure you want that Bible? Don't I need that Bible? And I said, no, you don't need the Bible. I said, you got a Bible. This is my Bible. I'm taking this Bible. He said, well, I'll take the car. And I said, okay, you take the car, and I'll take the Bible. My car had something owed on it, and I didn't want to spend that money on an owed car. Because Daddy had just bought a car. I don't know why he did. I mean, he didn't consult me. He should have. I'd have told him, no, don't buy a car. But he went and bought a car, and there was money owed on the car. And my brother, he has some extra money. He's always been real tight on money. And so I said, well, you take the car, and I'll take the Bible. Because, see, there's nothing owed on the Bible. The Bible's free. It's already been paid for. <laughs> There's no lien on the Bible. Nobody's going to come take my Bible from me. It's my Bible. See my Bible? It's torn. It's worn. He wore this thing out. He preached from it. Here's a letter in here. I wonder if there's money in here. i got to open this up. My Lord, there may be. Told you I hadn't been in it. But the treasure isn't the letter in there, or even the sermons, or his terrible handwriting. The treasure is he preached the same gospel I preach with the same conviction for the saving of souls. See, he witnessed to the power of the gospel. So I said, brother, you take the car, and I'll take the Bible, and we're settled. He said, fine. He, of course, paid off the car, and now he drives around in a nice car, and I got a worn-out Bible but I still think I got the better of the deal. Because things of this earth aren't worth as much as we think they are. I've seen too many families fight over land. Don't you fight over land. I've seen them fight over possession. Don't you fight over possessions. Oh, I know I'm meddling in your business right now, but don't do it. Give it to them. They want it, give it to them. Say, here, you take it. Don't be fighting over stuff you don't need to be fighting over. Don't you deny the kingdom's power in your life and the love you can have in your families. I'm tired of people fighting each other all the time over things they're supposed to be sharing in love. Be generous with one another. Be kind to one another. Love one another. Know what's best for the other is best for you. Be open with your heart and with your life. Love the Lord with all of your heart and all of your soul. See, I got carried away again, but I got a little personal, so y'all were like, whoa, the preacher, he's getting meddling now. He's personal. Sisters and brothers, if Easter don't have no pull to it, no punch to it, then I don't know why we're here today. If a person can't hear what the gospel is saying, and some are saying, well, he just, he's just up there talking. There's no order to what he's saying. <laughs> the man who had the heart attack lived. People heard the gospel. 
and they sang and they praised God. And they haven't forgotten that day because they heard the word of God. I don't know why he chose me. I'm, I'm not the one. I'm not qualified. I'm just a boy who went to Hornet Central and was shy. You know, weren't even a good athlete. Don't tell the coaches that. I was terrible. I, I was just not coordinated enough. And my brain didn't kick into gear. And Leona says it still hadn't kicked into gear. But why would God choose me of all people? Well, maybe Spring Hill needed somebody who's simple-minded. I don't know. But I want you to know I enjoyed this morning. I enjoyed the food. I enjoyed the fellowship. I enjoyed the juice. I enjoyed uh, with the biscuits. Uh, and I enjoyed the cross. And I enjoyed the pond. And I enjoyed uh, just the beauty of the earth. And I enjoyed uh, just being together with you. This is a beautiful place, a sacred place. The gospel is lived here. God's promise is being met here. And here's the promise I'll give you. Where you are right now, if you've heard me, if you die, you'll go to heaven. Do you hear what I just said? I've known people give money for this. <laughs> but I'm telling you, if you've heard me, you will go to heaven. How can I say that? Because Jesus rose again. I can say it because he did it. And he wants us to be forgiven of the sins that bind us so much. Hope you have a blessed Easter in every way. And know this is the most sacred moment of the Christian year when the gospel is preached without hesitation or reservation. There's no nuance. There's no beating around the bush. It's as simple as it is. You are part of the kingdom of God, and God loves you. He loves you. We're going to have intention today as our Holy Communion. Intention and understanding Methodism, it's an open communion. Everyone is invited. No one is excluded from this communion.